My name is Marcy Nelson. I'm a certified life coach, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a firm believer that when we know who we truly are, we are unstoppable and can change the world. My job as a coach is not to persuade you to think differently. You can believe whatever you want to believe. My goal with this podcast is to coach myself through some of my own limiting beliefs and get to the bottom of who I really am in the process. And if it helps you believe in you along the way, so be it. Thanks for listening to My True Identity. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode... Are we on episode 11? Is that where we're at? That's crazy. Um, I'm excited about this week's lesson. Uh, lesson. <laughs> Can you tell that I am a teacher in my, in my day, my regular life? <laughs> That's really funny. I teach institute and I teach, uh, kids one-on-one. That is funny. Okay. Um, I'm excited about today's podcast, about today's episode. It is inspired by all of my favorite things. Musicals, performing, traveling, uh, personal growth, and (laughs) self-reflection. All of the things that I love. Um, I think I've mentioned it a time or two on this podcast, but I am obsessed with Little Women. I think it's one of the greatest stories ever told. (laughs) And I love it. And I had the honor and the privilege this past summer to perform Little Women the Musical. Um, I played Joe, who is my favorite fictional character probably ever. Love her. I learn a lot from her. Um, I relate to her in a lot of ways. Um, I know I've done an episode on Little Women before. And it's interesting because since performing Little Women, my perspective on the story has changed quite a bit. Joe is a very passionate little woman. She loves to tell stories. She loves to write blood and gut stories. And she loves to put on plays with her sisters in her attic. And that's how she spent her childhood. Um, as children, they all make a, a, a promise that things will remain just as they are, that nothing will ever change. And then, of course, things change. And the sisters grow up. And the sisters make different choices and they get married and they leave home and all these things happen. Including Joe. Joe moves away. She moves to New York to become a writer. And while she's away in New York, she gets the news that her little sister Beth is gravely ill with scarlet fever. So she returns home where life used to feel safe and stable and where her wildest imagination imaginings could come true. 
Um, and while it still feels safe, it feels different. And spoiler alert, it's, you know, older than 100 years old, so I figure I'm safe <laughs> spoiling the end of the story. But uh, her sister Beth ends, ends up passing away. And there is this beautiful moment in, in the story, especially I think they portray it so well in the stage version in the musical. But there's this moment after Beth has died where Joe goes back up to the attic and the attic is covered in dust and cobwebs and no one's been up there in years. And Marmy comes up and says, this used to be your this used to be your sanctuary, this used to be your safe place, you used to come up here and, you know, solve all the world's problems, you always had something, always came up with something, and Joe is grieving and sad and devastated that everything has changed, the safety of her attic is no longer a happy place for her it's a challenge it's a difficult place for her because all the memories are there and joe is just not the same she's not the same her fire is dwindling it's not as it's not shining as bright her passion for life is hardly there And then she sings this song called The Fire Within Me. Oh, and it is so epic. And it's this wonderful song where she realizes that the fire in me is not my stories. It's not my fiery personality, my desire to travel and to see the world and to be different the fire within me is the love that I have for my family, for my sisters, the memories we share together. And because of that, she's able to write her best story yet, which is the story of Little Women, the story of her sisters. Which, you know, as we know, is Louisa May Alcott's, you know, most famous book. And it's a classic. It's beautiful. It's timeless. And uh, obviously, Joe March is a fi- fictional character. <laughs> I know I'm acting like, <laughs> like she's real. Because she is real to me. Because I have so much of her within me. And not just in a, an actor's sense. But even before I performed as Joe. I had a lot of Joe within me. I still do. Um, I recently um, sang in a talent show. I've sung in this talent show many times. Um, 
I did it all the time growing up. But I've won. It used to be a competition, and whoever won first place at the county, the county fair, got to perf- compete at the state fair. And then whoever wins at the state fair gets money. Not like a ton of money, but you know enough that it makes you feel cool. And uh, here I am, twenty six years old, and I signed up to sing in it again. And I don't know why, but I showed up to this, to the rehearsal, and I suddenly felt so insecure. I just felt like, why am I still here? Why am I performing in this same talent show that I've been performing in my entire life? How come I'm not doing anything amazing with my life? How come I'm still here in Idaho? How come nothing is changing And I have this similar fire within me. And I was so embarrassed and I was just kind of in my shell. Like I just kind of went in my head for the rest of the evening and I was trying so hard to snap out of it so that I could just enjoy it. Because I'm like, there's no point in me quitting. Like it's just an innocent little talent show. It's just, I don't need to be embarrassed. Yet I was and so I was trying to snap out of it. Anyway, we finally arrived to the talent show, to the performance, and we watch all the other performers. And the first man to perform is this middle-aged man who wrote a song about his dad and sang it for us. And he, you know, the chorus of the song mentioned him being good and kind and taking care of his family. And it was a very emotional, very moving song. The next performer to get up was a little boy who... Uh, who played the fiddle and then he halfway through his song he just started clogging and then he fiddled again it was incredible it was so cute and there were two sisters that performed that clogged together I don't remember all of the acts there were only like nine or ten of them but all of a sudden I saw this talent show so differently and I thought about the first time I had ever performed in this talent show It was my first talent show ever. I was four years old. And my grandma, who was my next door neighbor. Wow, there's a picture of her sitting here as I'm telling this story. And it's like, (laughs) it's making me really happy. When I was four years old, she taught me this song. When you're smiling, when you're smiling... The whole world smiles with you. When you're laughing, when you're laughing, the sun comes shining through. But when you're sighing, it brings on the rain. So stop your crying. Be happy again, because when you're smiling, when you're smiling, The whole world smiles with you. And my grandma taught me this song. Four years old. Can you imagine that the cutest little like four-year-old girl? Not that I was like the cutest girl ever, but I was pretty cute. Singing this song that my grandma taught me. She played the piano for me while I sang. And, And I, anyway, I'm thinking about this memory as I'm watching this talent show. And I'm viewing it so differently than I had ever seen it before. And I realized, like, this is my hometown. 
these are the people that I love. These are the people that made me and shaped me and taught me and raised me to become the person that I am. These people are good. Good and kind and hardworking. And I suddenly viewed it so differently. Much like Joe in her attic. Realizing that her dream existed only because her sisters believed in her. Which is such a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, a c- couple of weeks ago, I went on a trip to New York. <laughs> this was mostly an impulsive decision. One that I felt really guilty about. I think I've, there was an episode about this as well. Um, but we ended up going to three different Broadway shows that just totally like answered so many of my life's questions. <laughs> um, and part of my reasoning for going to New York was to kind of just get a feel for what it might be like to live there. I'd been there before briefly. I didn't get to do a lot of touristy things. Loved it. And I've kind of been craving to go back ever since. So part of it was me just kind of getting a feel for like, could I ever live here? Would I like it here? Is there anything for me here? It was mostly for fun, but it was also in the back of my mind was like, would I live here? Anyway, I go to New York and there's something magical about New York City. There's lights and glitz and glam and luxury and diversity and options. And there's so many things available in the city. There's opportunity galore, right? There's, I mean, so many choices, so many things to pursue and look into and dream about. And there's something really exciting about the city. Um, and then I went to, oh, guys, I wish I could have bottled up this experience, but I got to go see Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster and the Music Man, which was really the reason I went to New York to begin with. And I, my whole soul came alive during that show. Like I, it was so magical. It was so brilliant and it was this emotional high. It was such a roller coaster. You know, I was grinning ear to ear the entire show just because it was so joyful. And then the last 10 minutes of the show, I am just like ugly, ugly crying because of this the beautiful story that they've just told and the message that they've just shared and how expertly they shared it with us and how grateful I was to have be experiencing something like that and it was euphoric and incredible and I wanted to bottle up the experience and relive it over and over and over again and then I went to the temple while I was there the next day and I performed sacred sacred ordinances And had a beautiful experience there where I felt at home 
felt like I belonged. Felt like people loved me and saw me. I felt so seen by every sister in the temple. And not only by them, but just by the Lord. I just felt like God was aware of where I was at. Not only physically, but emotionally and mentally. And I wanted to bottle up that experience and relive it over and over and over again. More so than I wanted to relive the music man. And I made a realization that like, no amount of fame or luxury or glam or wealth could take away how I feel when I'm in the temple. Nothing is more important to me than that. And I know that that sounds so incredibly cheesy, but I realized that the fire within me was not ambition to be famous, to be wealthy, to live a luxurious life. My ambition, the fire within me, is my ambition to make a positive impact on the world. To do what is right and to teach others to do what is right. And to become like Jesus Christ. That is my ambition. Which is a beautiful realization. And then the real when I kind of started tying everything together was when we went the next day. Was it the next day? Anyway, I don't remember. But we went and saw Into the Woods. And this was like a jam-packed cast full of like huge Broadway names. It was incredible. It was so well done. And the premise of... The premise of Into the Woods is all about wish. Wishing right? Cinderella wishes to go to the festival and dance with the prince. Uh, Jack and Jack's mom wish to eat and to have food and money and wealth, right? The baker and the baker's wife wish to have a child. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood wishes to take some bread to her grandmother in the woods, right? One part in particular that stuck out to me, though, is Cinderella, in the beginning, she's wishing to go to the festival to dance with the prince. So she goes and talks to her mother, who is the tree. (laughs) It always is funny to tell this story, because unless you've seen it or know fairy tales, it, like, sounds totally stupid. But anyway, she goes and talks to her mother in the tree. And her mother says... Do you know what you wish? Are you certain what you wish is what you want? If you know what you want, then make a wish. Ask the tree and you shall have your wish. And I was thinking about that line repeatedly. Are you certain what you wish is what you want? I had a professor in college that used to say, you have to want the consequences of what you want. I want to work out. 
but do I want to exert the effort? I want to eat this piece of cake, but do I want to feel sick afterwards? Right? You have to you have to have enough forethought to like recognize what what are what are the consequences of this wish. And Cinderella realizes not only just at the end, but like throughout the whole thing that like as glamorous and luxurious as it seems to dance with the prince, the prince is not actually what she wants. She just wants a home. She doesn't want all the responsibilities and the problems that come with being a a princess. She just wants a loving home, right? It sounds better than living with her stepmother and her stepsisters, but it actually wasn't better. And she realizes that. And it got me thinking about my dreams in life. I am a big dreamer. I have a lot of big dreams. And some of them, a lot of them, I've been able to accomplish. Uh, A lot of the things I've wanted to do, I've been able to do. And, And I've also learned that in doing those things that they're not all they're, you know, they're, everything looks more glamorous than it really is. And I've started to come to terms with the fact that maybe some of the wishes I have for my life are not really what I want. And then it got me thinking about what I really do want. And what I really want is the life that I'm currently living. (laughs) I want meaningful relationships with my family and with my friends and just with people that strengthen me and edify me. I want a job that I love that makes me happy where I get to make a positive impact in the world, get to have a variety of different responsibilities and where I feel loved and appreciated. And that is exactly what my job is. (laughs) I want to eat good food. I want to read good books. I want to learn all the things that I know how to learn, that I want to learn. And I've decided that my life as it is, is more than enough. I am not lacking. I'm not, I'm not lacking. I have so many people who love me. That care about me. I have so many positive things going for me. I have a wonderful job. Beautiful home to live in. I have good friends. I am not lacking. What I want is to grow and to progress and to become a better version of myself. And I want to occasionally travel and see beautiful places. 
and I want to eat good food and read good books and associate with good people. That's what I want. Now, this doesn't negate that there are still other things that I would love to do with my life. I would love to... Uh, I still think it would be really fun to have a talk show. I'm not so concerned with it being nationally acclaimed. I just want an opportunity to interview great people. I would love to write a book. I would love to be a public speaker, a motivational speaker of sorts. I would love to perform I'd love to travel. I'd love to live in different places in the world. Someday I want to own like a designer pair of shoes or something, something designer. Just to say that I own something designer. (laughs) Right? Like there's still other things that I hope to do. But I'm just realizing that the choices that I'm making in my life are the choices that I want to be making in my life. I'm realizing that the fire within me is not to do more, but to be more. And until I can become more, the doing won't ever satisfy I don't know if that makes sense, but anyway, I'm just grateful. Um, I was watching this interview with Oprah Winfrey and Brene Brown this week, or maybe, yeah, it was last week, and Brene Brown was talking about foreboding joy. She was talking about how joy is the most vulnerable emotion to feel. Um, which is shocking to a lot of people. Um, But she explained it. She said, have you ever, as a parent, walked into your, your baby's room and just been so filled with love and adoration for them and then instantly think about something horrible that could happen to them? Or... Have you ever, like, told someone you loved them and then instantly, like, picked a fight with them or, or you know, something else? And she said it's vulnerable to feel joy because we're, because we're afraid it's going to go away. And so rather than enjoying it in the moment... We prepare for the worst. But what she has learned in her research is that people who live life this way, that prepare for the worst, and are always kind of worried about what could happen, when they lose what really matters to them, they lose their spouse or their family or their just, you know, whatever is most important to them, they realize that no amount of worry, no amount of anxiety or anger or preparation was was adequate to prepare them for the sorrow that they feel from losing the thing that they love most. 
And I think my point in all of this is that God bestowed in us a fire, a desire, something that we wish for. And my point is that until we learn to to have an attitude of abundance and gratitude within ourselves for what we do have, we will never be satisfied. Brene Brown mentioned that the the anecdote to say anecdote nope that's the wrong word antidote jeez Louise <laughs> we sound so unintelligent the antidote to foreboding joy or that you know pre- preparing for the worst is gratitude and to sit in this moment of a just being so glad to be alive to be experiencing this moment like this with these people and anyway what all of this has taught me is that I am so grateful to be alive I'm so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful that I get to eat good food and that I get to travel and that I get to work a job that I love with people that are good. I'm grateful that I get to read good books and sleep in a warm bed. I'm grateful that I get to meet incredible people and have wonderful associations with them. I'm grateful for my education, the things that I get to learn. I'm grateful that I get to sing and perform on occasion because it makes me wildly happy. (laughs) And um, this is, I don't know, I hope I have a point to this because I feel like a lot of my, a lot of my episodes are me coaching Or me reframing how I think about something. Or me teaching a gospel principle. But I feel like this one is mostly for me (laughs) to remember that I have everything I could ever wish for. My life is so beautiful. And I guess if there's any takeaway for you from this episode, it's the question. Are you certain what you wish is what you want? Because I think if you really wanted it, it wouldn't feel so out of reach. You know what I mean? I think if you really wanted it, your life would look different. Anyway, I hope that's 
okay to say. <laughs> but anyway, it was an enriching, wonderful experience. And the answer to my question about whether or not I could live in New York is a resounding absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not interested in competing. I am interested in becoming. Anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Hope any of this made sense to you at all. But love you lots. Have a beautiful morning, day, night, week, weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever this is for you. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you heard something that resonates with you. If you did, share it with a friend, leave a rating and review, and leave a comment on my Instagram page at Party with Marcy. If you want your feedback to be featured on next week's podcast, download the Anchor app and leave me a voice message. I'd love to hear from you. See you next week.